Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest is originally from Toronto, Ontario. Her work has appeared in Story, Boulevard, Lit Hub, Missouri Review, among other journals and magazines. She teaches in the Creative Writing Program and the Initiative on Race and Resilience at the University of Notre Dame. Her debut short story collection, The Islands, is out now. Please welcome Dion Irving. Hey, Dion. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. I love your story collection, The Islands. Um, for readers who haven't come across it, what is what is your collection about? Um, well, it is... In its in its largest sense, I guess it's about um, colonialism and sort of the effects of colonialism. Um, but more specifically, it's about sort of the lingering effects of colonialism in some ways. What I like sometimes call like post post colonial, mm-hmm. um, and and what happens sort of with um, you know immigrants as they're moving all over the world out of these entities that were sort of these former colonies and thinking about what that looks like in in terms of liminal space um all over the world Mm -hmm. and most of the collection is about jamaican and jamaican immigrants and descendants of jamaicans correct absolutely yeah so um it deals with kind of um both First generation immigrants and also immigrants, um, sort of second generation um, immigrants, um, and they are all sort of connected to Jamaica um, in one way or another, either uh, they themselves are Jamaican, their parents are Jamaican, sometimes it's a grandparent that's it's Jamaican, but thinking about sort of the way those, those threads of Jamaica sort of thread through the generations and, and continue to sort of affect um, mm-hmm. the culture and the place continues to affect um the people people yeah. who are generations removed even yeah and and one thing i love about asking or i love asking about short story collections is you know like the process of actually writing each individual story because as opposed to a novel which you're writing towards something the entire time stories come out in presses online they never come out and they finally make it their way into the uh, collection um when was the what was the first story in this collection that you you wrote Oh gosh, it's so old. I hate saying that. I, I told this to a colleague the other day and he was like, I was in third grade when you read that story. And I was like, oh God. Wow. Um, but the oldest story in the collection um, is Weaving. Um, it's a story I worked on for a really long time and, and worked on some more actually as I was I was putting the collection together. Um, but I think in some ways, like this is not necessarily a collection that I could have like sit down and, and written all the stories in like a couple of years or a yeah. year and a half, because I think that in so many ways, the stories in the collection are about this idea of kind of accumulation. And I think for me, sort of growing and changing both as a writer and as a person, that that accumulation kind of needed to happen for me too, that like the stories couldn't sort of have all spilled out at once because it really is about a process of growing and changing and, being in liminal spaces and being outside of them and and sort of that dance that comes between those two things what was the most recent story that you I know like you mentioned weaving you had worked on while the collection was coming together but like what's like the last idea that made it as a story 
Yeah, the last story that I wrote, I actually wrote summer of 21. So there's a real, there's yeah. a real touch in my writing career there. Um, and that's the story some people that's that's set in New Jersey at the at the private school. Um, and that too, I guess, in some ways is kind of interesting because um, you know, I was really young and not a parent when I wrote weaving um it's interesting they're both sort of stories with parents um and then some people you know is is kind of on the other side of that um after it had children and, and been married so um i think it's it's sort of interesting to me too to sort of look at those two stories in mm -hmm. terms of thinking about the way um that even my thinking um about parenthood has kind yeah. of changed and what it means to sort of um, think about a story from maybe a little bit closer to a child's perspective, looking sort of at the lives their parents might live, as opposed to sort of coming at that from a, a parental perspective. Um, and I think in some ways that shows in those two stories, because I think the characters in Weaving are much more sure of themselves as parents, even if they're not good parents. Um, whereas like you kind of see like, you know, what's really going on with the wizard and some people where it's like the parents are a mess they have no idea what they're doing and so i think that's really really sort of visible in those two stories yeah it's funny i am now older than i was when both my parents had me um and i don't have kids and i'm like how the hell did they do it like just talking about parent i'm like what like i can barely like keep my life together i <laughs> No, I think about that all the time. Yeah, I'm much, I'm a much older parent than my parents were. Mm -hmm. And they, they seemed really sure of what they were doing. Yes. Right? Like parents, <laughs> yeah, they seemed like they had everything together. And even now, like they're both, they're divorced, but they're both not, that has nothing to do with it, but they're both in their 60s or, yeah. And I'm like, they still don't have their lives together. You know oh, I, mean? I know. Like, yeah. I know. That's yeah. the best part about being a parent. You realize it's all like smoke and mirrors. Yes. It's, totally totally you were making it up as you go along yeah. like my son the other day asked me like a rule about something and I was like oh, I don't have a rule about that so I was like just gonna invent something yeah, and figure yeah. out like what that means yeah you mentioned between those two stories how like your perspective on parenting kind of changed and you can see it how, how did your like craft change over the course of those years like when you went back and touched weaving like right when like when the book was going to be getting published did you like see things where like I can't even believe I wrote this Oh, totally. You know, um, actually, when I was putting the collection together, you know, my husband was like, are you sure you want to put weaving in? It's not the strongest story in this collection. And like, maybe you should leave it out when I was getting ready to send it out. Um, and it's really funny. Um, and I, I, I do um, both credit time and, and also like my editor, Lee Newman, who was amazing. Um, and I think that story is so much of a better story than it was, you know, when I first wrote it and first took a crack at it. Um, that story is also, because it's really old, it's also changed a lot. Like I wrote mm -hmm. it um, in graduate school initially and it was a really different story. I mean, it was set in a hospital. Um, the main character was not um, who the main character is now. It was a doctor. Um, oh. He was very much in the background of the story. Um, and he kind of kept like, peeking out and I remember one of my professors said to me like I think this story is about this character you know it's not about this doctor and this whole other thing that's going on it really is this story about um you know this character who keeps yeah. sort of cropping up and, and talking and so even that in terms of like 
what the story was about and and who it was about has changed a lot. Um, and I talk to that. I talk about that story with my students a lot sometimes that like mm -hmm. sometimes the thing that you actually want to write about um, is not what you're meant to write about. <laughs> yeah. And I really wanted to write about this doctor, this emergency room doctor. And it's it just wasn't her story. No, and I love that. And I want to like, not to focus in on weaving, but like kind of talk through that because I feel like a lot of young writers, like they say, I'm going to write this. This is what I'm writing. And it's like, but the idea, this kernel is a better idea. And like, you, you can make the story that. What was it like after your professor said that and like you, like you had to go through it, like, and you changed it completely. Like, what was that? Like, I guess, emotionally, like structurally, like, what was it like? Oh, you know, I think once I let that character like have his own story, um, I was so much more interested in the story. Mm. I mean, I probably wrote five or six drafts of the hospital story and I, I just couldn't get it right. It wasn't working. Um, the character that I was trying to write about was really flat and she just didn't, I don't know, she didn't have much to say. Um, and so in some ways, like, even though the story, I worked on the story over over a good period of time after that, I felt like that drafting, like, like once I gave myself the permission to write about this other character, that process actually came a lot faster and easier because it was like, oh, I've got tons to say about this mm -hmm. guy. Like, I'm so interested in finding out who this guy is and like what's important to him and like, how did he end up in the hospital in the first place? And, you know, it's funny to see that story now in the collection because there's nothing in it from mm -hmm. the first draft. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Not a line, not a comma. Uh. Like nothing. It is a totally, totally different story. And I think there were some drafts where like I still had him in the hospital, right? Because I was really, really committed to that hospital. Um, but I realized sort of in working on the story too, like nothing was happening in that hospital, like nothing that, yeah. you know, it's not where the action of this story was. Um, and I think by the time I sent it out, um, it all, uh, most of those traces had been removed anyway from the initial draft. And I think that this, you know, during the editorial process um, was really about tightening it, refining it. Um, but it's, I, when I think back to what that story was in, its initial coming yeah. together of a story. It's it's a totally different story. It's not the same. You would never look at that story and go, the DNA of this is in, in this current story. But I also think that, you know, that really has to do with the idea of letting go too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that sometimes we feel so married to like this concept or this idea or this thing um, that we're doing that it feels really, really hard um to let go uh, of that and I think that 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 is is really powerful on the other side of that you know yeah. to to say like okay I've let go of this original concept I'm just gonna let the story takes me take me where it takes me um yeah. and that's never really led me wrong so yeah. and on the other end of like letting something go and having to kind of start over when do you know something's working? Like it just clicks. Like is, I'm sure it's different for every story, but like, is there an example of like, yes, this is it. I got it. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a, I mean, 
I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little like airy fairy, I think in like yeah. the writing process. And like, <laughs> I, I think that sometimes there is this idea of that ma of magic happening on my page. Like mm -hmm. I remember, um, and it's a story that's in the collection, you know, I remember there's a story in there that it was the first story that I finished and I was like, oh my gosh, this is done. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was done. I, I never had that feeling of like, it's done. I always felt like, well, I should workshop it again or should take, come back to it or should, you know, um, and I remember that was, it, it was just, you know, a, a feeling. I mean, and I, I wish, I always say to students, I cannot describe it better than that, but like, yeah. you know, you get to this point where it's like, oh, this thing's finished. Like it's ready to send out. It doesn't need another pass. Um, and it's interesting that story is the first story in the collection, actually, mm -hmm. Florida Lives. Um, and that one as compared to like say weaving is remarkably similar as it was to mm -hmm. to some of the initial drafts that I wrote um that you can definitely definitely you know it's not that there's no changes but it, it is yeah. so similar both in terms of like shape and articulation and character is very very similar to the first draft that I wrote mm -hmm. um so I think sometimes you kind of know when it works and it just yeah. all kind of comes together. Yeah. Do you always seek out something similar when you're starting a story? Does it always start with a character, like a, a thematic idea or where do stories come from or what interests you when you're writing? Yeah, I think, I think all different places. Um, I think character, you know, and I think probably a lot of writers would say yeah. that, um, you know, I, I'm, endlessly fascinated by people and yeah, yeah. you know um I had a, a writing professor once who chastised somebody in workshop because um she said she was the kind of person who would never look in anybody's medicine cabinet as at a party no. and he was like well you're not a writer then <laughs> only write the writers do that like that's just something writers do right you look no. at people's medicine cabinets at parties and you know um I always thought that was really interesting in terms of thinking about like you know it is a curiosity about people. And so I think that's often the place that I, I start more than with like situations or um, like specific plotted things. And I, I think that's kind of true, like going back to weaving in terms of thinking about that story. Um, I think that's maybe where the story was falling down in its initial drafts is that I had this idea of a certain kind of plot. Mm -hmm. um, and this character sort of ended up taking over the story and I had to figure out kind of what his his story was going to be to tell. Um, and and not so much this like beautifully plotted hospital story that I, I had decided I was going to write. Yeah. And um, just going back to weaving, you mentioned your husband saying, oh, you know, is it should it go in? And I'm, I'm fascinated about writers and their partners and, and how much they let them read and when they read. Is your husband a, like an early reader for you? Yeah, he reads everything. Um, he is is amazing. Um, you know, uh, I I really feel like he is such a sounding board for me in terms of um, uh, all of my work. And he, you know, there's there's not a word that I write that he don't that uh -huh. he doesn't read. And he's he's so incredibly. Um, patient with me um and I think in some ways like I don't know maybe that's good like 
dating advice too is like marry <laughs> yeah. your ideal reader because he's also read like you know eight million drafts of some of these stories you know um and so it, it's it was interesting because he was he was rereading um the collection when we got the arcs and you know he said you know, I take back what I said about hmm. weaving. He's like, this yeah. is a really good story now. Hmm. He's like, it's a really, really good story. And he's read so many versions of it. So, so, so many versions of it. Um, I mean, I started writing that story before I even met him. So, yeah, I mean, like, he's read eight million versions of that story. But I think that, that you know, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, having him there to to uh both look at things carefully with and also bounce ideas off but um I don't usually talk to him about things like before they're drafted mm -hmm. I'm usually once I have a draft and that's kind of where our conversations start yeah. um I am working on a novel right now and he's read like just little bits of it but I haven't sort of even really explained to him kind of with the full <laughs> mostly I'm worried I'm going to frighten him because it's just it's huge I I it I, I've bitten off way more than I can chew with it yeah. but um but <laughs> I also think that that you know it also gives us a place um to start conversation from in terms of thinking about um you know what what things look like and I think he he will absolutely make suggestions but I think that he is always um really steadfast not in sort of like changing the work but thinking about like how to help me be better and I think that that's a really a really powerful partner to have I mean yeah yeah, and and I'm because going into that, you are a professor and you have students, right, who are workshopping and they're doing all that. And I'm always fascinated, like what a professor's writing community looks like, because I think, you know, as young writers, they may think, oh, like a professor Dion doesn't like workshop these anymore; she just publishes. Like, what's oh. your outside of your partner, outside of your husband? What's your like community like? Yeah, I have I've been in writing groups on and off. Um, over the years for different projects, um, both fiction and, and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And those groups are just so, so impactful for me, you know. Um, they have been um, such, a, such an important source of um, both having community, but also um, getting really honest feedback, you know. And I, I always tell students, right, like, grad school and undergrad like meet your people and and hang on to them right yeah. because like those will be such good readers for you down the line and in the future and those are the people who you can trust right to to give you like thoughtful honest opinions about your work um and you know i i know certainly there are probably writers who like write things and their editor is their yeah. first reader um but i just I, I work by community so I really I, I really yeah. do need to like have other eyes on things before I I, I set them off and so um you know the, the that other read is is really really important to me um also because I think it's really easy to just be in your own head when you're writing right mm -hmm. and 
I, I kind of feel that with this novel project I'm working on now. I just feel so much in my own head with it because I've been working on it for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and so to like even just have conversation with other people about your work, even if they're not reading it, is, mm -hmm. is so hugely valuable and, and important. Yeah, and then kind of going back to the novel or the short story collection, The Islands, you know, it's about immigration, race, and outside of teaching creative writing at Notre Dame, you are... You teach in the initiative on race and resilience. Is that a, that's a different program then? It sounds. Yeah. Tell me about a, it. Yeah. Yeah, it's new at Notre Dame. Cool. This is started the second year. Um, myself and my colleague were the first um, two um, hires who were were hired jointly in creative writing um, and the initiative on race and resilience. Um, and it's one of the reasons I actually wanted to come to Notre Dame. Um, that work is really important to me, mm -hmm. um, but also thinking about what that work looks like um, in creative writing. You know, we we are having, I think, starting to have conversations about you know. Um, the landscape of um, writing and, and different kinds of voices being included in the conversation. Um, you know, and I think about that too with this collection, I don't know if it would have um, been a collection that yeah. would, would sell, have sold 10 years ago, do you know? And so um, I think that that is really important, but I also think sort of the, on the other side of that, is is really important too. Thinking not just about um, writers of color, but thinking about you know publishers and publicists yeah. and agents and and all of all all the ways that we might you know diversify the publishing industry. Um, and so, the work with the the initiative, I think, for me, um, really speaks to like something is a, is a way to commodify to something that I'm really passionate about. Um, in terms of, of writing and thinking about um, how we make this community, this field, you know, um, a much more inclusive, a yeah. much more diverse and a much more um, complex and interesting, interesting space, you know, um, I think one of the the beauties of of contemporary literature too is a, is a kind of heart artifact right of, of mm -hmm. histories that hopefully it, it represents um a time right um and we can see that sort of yeah. in, in if we look at that historically right that there's voices missing from the historical record um and and we miss those voices because we don't hear what that story sounds like from that time right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I was just saying to a friend yesterday, I think one of the things that's sort of interesting about our contemporary age and technology and literature is that we've got these these records and these moments that that can give us this glimpse into um, the lives that came before us. And so we should think about all the lives, right? Mm -hmm. and, and ways in which, um, you know, uh, literature is, is a representation of all of those things. Um, I'm excited, obviously, about my collection coming out, but I'm yeah. also really excited that, like, there are two other Jamaican diasporic authors that have collections out, you know, <laughs> this this fall, right, yeah. which is amazing, right? Like, Jonathan Escoffrey, um mm -hmm. and Prince Shakur's um, uh, memoir, you yeah. know. I am so excited. I'm excited, not that they're just both Jamaican, but like, yeah. but they're also like thinking about different stories than the stories I'm telling, right? Like we're all telling really different stories, even though we have like yeah. this shared cultural history. And like, that's really exciting because there's not a monolithic, you know, story about 
Jamaica, right? Yeah. Um, and so that that's really that's really exciting to me. Yeah, I both were debutiful guests, and I didn't realize like how closely tied like the stories could be and whatnot until just now. And I just think that's because I just think of good writing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's all I care about. Like damn good writing. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that was on my mind. I on Reddit the other night, you know, I saw like on fiction or on literature, you know, I follow a bunch of subreddits and someone's like, does reading actually make you smarter? Like if you're reading like Stephen King or I forgot what the other example was, but it was like, if you're just reading like fun books, does it make you smarter? I was like, yeah, it does. Because like, it gives you words you to speak and how to, how to just diversify your language. But like for me, especially like, you know, your book, Prince's book, uh, Jonathan's book, I've not live that life i've not lived these experiences and like i never will and i can never fully understand these experiences but like it's opened up my world so much and that's just why i'm always like on my high horse about like reading <laughs> like yeah, yeah. So, because yeah. It, it gives us it gives us empathy right like mm -hmm. i mean right because we can't like have that experience yeah. but man reading can like bring you in close to somebody's experience in such a powerful way right yeah, like yeah. and that's that to me is absolutely transformative 100 percent, yeah and i don't want to take too much of your time up because i know you are a busy person but i'm curious like what you've been reading outside of like you know you're teaching your you're getting ready to publish this book what is going on in your world that like, do you have time to read yeah you know i mean it was one of the things that like you know, I'm always looking like upside of the pandemic. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I always say, like, oh, I had a, I had a lot of fun during the pandemic. So I read all these books and saw all these right? movies. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I think like that was the kind of thing. Like, I think there's sometimes I had like been like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Right. I don't have time to sit down and read. But like I, I started making space for that during mm -hmm. the pandemic. And yeah. so I feel like that's like been a lasting thing. So I've read more in the past three cool. years than I maybe did in like the five years previous to that, which <laughs> exciting to me um i'm like about midway through um the crane wife by cj hauser um mm. which i absolutely love and is so 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 good um i just finished fleischman is in trouble um which a friend had recommended to yeah. me and it's just really really funny and great um i'm also reading um like some historical things for my new novel which mm -hmm. like has to do with like <laughs> climate change and yeah. and uh I, I i i said i've bitten off more than i could chew but yeah. i just read this amazing historical book called um island on fire the revolt that ended slavery in the british empire mm. um which was just absolutely amazing and and um such a good read um and i have just started our country friends by gary Scheingarten too mm. which i i love like structurally um in in its sort of experimentation i think he's such an interesting writer mm -hmm. um and but i also like don't know if i'm ready for it like i started it and then i had to stop because it was like it was like too soon right it's like yeah. the first pandemic novel and i was like i don't know if i'm ready to read about the read a pandemic novel yet i think <laughs> you should take a beat I want to thank Dion Irving for joining the Debutiful Podcast to talk about her debut short story collection, The Islands, out now via Catapult. You can find her on the internet at DionIrving.com, on Instagram at DionIrvingWriter, and Twitter at LadyDion79. 
You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all home.